0: This is the Mindbox podcast hosted by Claire Jacobs. Mindbox is a space to talk about our minds and mental health, so we cover topics that can be of a triggering or sensitive nature. We will always highlight the topics we cover in the show notes of each episode's description, so please read these before listening. Please note we're not medical experts, we're only experts of our own mental health experiences. To find out more about the pod or contact us, find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter using the name Mindbox Pod. Hello everyone, today on Mindbox I have got, I'm quite excited about this, I've got Louise Williams. She is a very well-known blogger who I have been following for oh, i think a decade now it's quite scary um she's an adhd content creator now all across social media and she's even appeared on bbc's the one show about late diagnosis in women with adhd which i found really interesting because at the time i was uh, awaiting my own diagnosis actually she runs a facebook support group for late diagnosed adhd adults and has recently opened a well-being gym She's a single parent to two children and will hopefully be talking to us about parenting as a mother with neurodivergence as well as her late diagnosis journey, setting up a business with ADHD which I'm very impressed about and her views on people diagnosing themselves with conditions like this using social media. How are you Louise? You all right?
1: Hi yeah I am like most mornings I'm I don't know. A lot's happened already this morning, so um, yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> Just the school run, I find, is um, enough to feel like a full day's work.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. And trying not to be late is a real tricky one for me, and not stress out because we're running late because I lose sort of all concept of time. I don't know if you have a similar
1: <laughs> similar feeling. Yeah, definitely. I think that. I mean, it's really interesting because I used to get really, really, really stressed about being late um, for the school run, and then since I've been medicated, I'm finding that I'm not getting so stressed. And I think it's because I think I used to feel like really judged as a parent anyway. And so like I used to think that the teachers were judging me and, you know, thinking that I was a terrible parent. And so being late was just, you know, like an extra thing of like my failing as a parent. So I used to get like really, really, really stressed about it. But, um, yeah, I can be a lot more relaxed now, <laughs> which
0: is yeah. good. Oh, that's good. I don't think my meds actually kick in by that point. So I'm, I am still struggle with it. But I've started putting systems in like trying to aim for 10 minutes earlier as our final deadline seems to work at the moment. I think I really want to start with looking at your journey to ADHD because you're late diagnosed like me. So where did it start for you?
1: Well, I... I guess like, I always felt that I was like just not quite in step with the rest of the world. Um, I just, yeah, I had a lot of, uh, depression, anxiety, um, you know, all the kind of <laughs> the usual comorbidities that seem to come with not being diagnosed. Um, and I'd constantly been looking for, you know, trying to find, you yeah, know, what what was wrong with me um, because I knew that something wasn't right, but I just couldn't work out what it was. And I'd actually been doing quite a lot of um, research into autism and I'd relate, like I related to enough of it for me to think, oh, okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't a full, like, oh my gosh, this is me. And then my best friend said, oh, um, have a look at ADHD in women. Well, she first said, "Have you thought about ADHD. And I was like, well, no, because it's just like boys jumping out the window at school and all those stereotypes that you have. And she went, oh, look at ADHD in women. And I read something. (laughs) I just went down the checklist and just was, my mind was just blown. I was like, oh my gosh, this is actually me. Um, and then, you know, the rabbit hole that you fall into of research and hyper focusing on ADHD. And so I was just, you know, watching everything I could find, reading everything I could find and uh, join Facebook groups. And yeah, just I was like,
0: oh, my gosh, this is me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's the thing, isn't it? I think there's so little out there that explains how different it is in females that we just assume it is that sort of external hyperactivity isn't it and and things that a lot of females don't exhibit I mean some do but but not all of them do they so it, they'll just assume that they're anxious or depressed people and GPs will label them as that won't they
1: yeah and a lot um, of the time it's not is it well that's it I mean and and also um, is it uh, BPD borderline personality disorder seems to be a really popular um, choice for psychiatrist to diagnose over adhd for women but i think it's you know things like hyperactivity can often be uh, things like biting nails um mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah. biting the skin on your lips and um that it's often your thoughts that are hyperactive and so obviously those non-classic signs because another thing is that girls are better this is a obviously a total generalization because <laughs> But generally speaking, girls are better at masking. So they're just a little bit better at looking at their peers and then just emulating what they do. And obviously, you know, that's not not across the board and everything. But I think that's why so many women have come. They've got late diagnoses now because they've spent their whole life mm. trying very hard to conform and fit in and be like everyone else um, and playing a role. And then, yeah just get missed
0: that's definitely the tricky thing as well because even when I've been looking at masking I'm thinking well have I done that And not because for me it must be so unconscious because I don't purposefully or or remember as a kid going right I must do what they're doing because that's what I, I've never consciously done it I think we, we literally just it's kind of in us that you just have to fit in and oh that's how we do things okay I'll do that and not realizing that while we might struggle to do this, I don't know, this social thing or thing at school, we assume everyone's feeling that. I think that's how I did it. And actually now I'm learning those things that I found really hard, most people don't. So that is, but me forcing myself to do it is a form of masking, isn't it? It's not necessarily you putting on a facade on purpose. It's even not knowing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, refer to myself as a personality chameleon and I'm not anymore. Like I'm, I think I'm more myself than I've ever been in my life. But I used to, um, yeah, I, I would try and join a friend group and then um, they'd be into a certain kind of music. So I'd listen to that music and they'd wear a certain style of clothes. So I'd wear those clothes. Because that's it, isn't it? Because it's fitting in. You want to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means... Like blending yourself into whatever you're trying to fit into, instead of having your own strong sense of identity, because you don't have that self confidence and that self worth, you just try and and become part of whatever group you, you're you want to be part of. Um, and I think that's the masking, isn't it? That's the, and you learn from a young age, you know. Um, if you're a bit bouncy and someone says, "Don't do that." um, you know you'll wreck the carpet or something and you're like oh okay can't do that and so then you suppress that urge to you know whatever it was whether it was like running around the footstool or whatever you were doing you learn you can't do that um, so you suppress it.
0: I wonder how that comes out in the end because you can't suppress things all the time at some point it needs to come out I mean did you do you think you used to find different ways to get out that energy or whatever it was um when they're telling you don't don't bounce around would you find other ways to get it out
1: yeah and I think you know quite quite negative ones like things like biting nails and um like I used to pick scabs and things like that and um and then I think you know when I got older I got quite controlling about um what I ate and I, I think you you end up like you you, yeah you have it inside you and then you find other things and quite often they're negative they're quite quite often negative or you just yeah just kind of sit with all this tension inside you because you actually need to move around but you're holding it in and and so your whole body is tense and yeah it's really damaging actually (laughs)
0: yeah and I'm only sort of looking at that now like you said about the skin I'm always even now so even now knowing and attempting medication which is another story I'm not enjoying that one um it's kind of I still do it a lot you know I'm still constantly have skin that's picked on my feet and my hands and my nails are never there and you know I I'm oh the face thing there is a name a very long name for it that I can't remember but you're you're always sort of rubbing your face but also picking any and I get hormonal acne so I'm scarring myself but I can't like I just can't leave it <laughs>
1: no, exactly the same if I've got anything like like a blackhead or any like it, even if I can't even see it I can just feel yes. it under my skin, and I'm just I say to myself just leave it alone because you can't even see it but you are <laughs> going to make it into something that everyone is going to see leave it alone and it's like but I can't leave it <laughs> I have to I have to Deal with it. And so yeah, so you end up like making making spots and making things out with nothing. Um I but yeah that's
0: sensory though. Do you think that we do that? Because like you said, no one can see it, um, but we can feel it. And it feels so for me, it feels so intense. It's annoying me. I all distract me all day, especially when they're starting to grow under there. And not and, and I'm like, I know it's there, like ingrowing hairs. I have oh. I have scarred myself. I get a lot of them because I've got quite thick hair and PCOS, you know, makes your hairy that. But I get a lot of them and I'm getting like you know trigger warning and <laughs> pins and stuff. I'm trying to get them out. I am literally scarring permanently myself because I can't bear the way they're curling and I can feel them growing inside. I think we have a higher sensitivity skin-wise and it's light and sound is huge for me, you know. But again, like you, I, I look down the autism route as well. And I am waiting diagnosis or potential diagnosis. Who knows? Because I think they're so interlinked, aren't they? Especially for women, the the ADHD and the autism. Apparently, a lot of women have both.
1: Yeah, and i I've thought that about myself because it's really hard, isn't it? So my best friend, who told me to look at um, ADHD in women, she ended up getting diagnosed like just after me, um and we have a lot of conversations about it, and. Um, like share articles and things with each other and I was saying you know like I I just I don't know I don't know whether I've got both because I do relate to kind of enough to think um but then we were saying what actually is what though you know why is it not part of the ADHD you know is it is it because you can have sensory things and you can have you know so it's really hard to kind of pull them apart and do you need to pull them apart as well? You know, it's um it's a really interesting one. I think for me, I've always thought that I probably wouldn't go and try and get an autism diagnosis because I don't um just for me personally, I don't know what it would give me. Whereas you know, with ADHD, you can try medication. Um, there's there's like it's it's your access to medication, but with autism there isn't medication so yeah I've always thought that yeah I'm not sure where I sit and what's what and whether I need to explore it or not I don't know it's a difficult one.
0: Yeah and that is quite I've seen a lot of people talking about that recently about how actually getting a diagnosis with autism as an adult can be a negative thing even down to sort of logistics of Sound of mind with legal things apparently, which I was like, oh no, am I doing the wrong thing then? And and starting to worry about that. But I think for me, it's like I just, I've got this thing. I need it to be right. I need to know exactly what I have and what I haven't, so I know what I've got to work with. Because I think even down to how you learn strategies, sometimes whilst they're very alike, the two divergences there can be different strategies that work better for each one. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm looking down just one route and I have been given this ADHD diagnosis. But if I've got other things that challenge me that that are autistic and there might be certain ways that I haven't tried to manage it. you know what I mean? I think there's that sort yeah. of just no needing to, to know. And it's really, oh, oh, that in itself is a trait but I don't know which side <laughs> so I need to yeah. know I really do I, to know I,
1: I can totally understand that. And like I would never say don't don't do it or you know, there's no point to it. I just think for me personally, um I think if I'd have gone cuz I I am still on the autism waiting list with the NHS and it's like 2 years ago that I was diagnosed with ADHD um but yeah I think if I'd had the autism first I would've gone for the ADHD simply for the medication but yeah it's interesting like I always felt like I had two halves and half of me was you know a rule following desperate to please didn't ever want to be like naughty or um and then the other one just wanted to break out of school and go off downtown and um skip lessons and things let's say they were always in conflict I could never please both both sides because they yeah and I wonder whether that's autism and ADHD or just part of ADHD (laughs) I don't know and sometimes I think that I get too much in my head trying to work it all out and I think I can just spend too long I've been trying to get a little bit out of my head a bit more now and just try and stop analyzing quite as much because I think it's just so amazing that you finally have a, an idea of what is going on with you mm. um, but then I find that I'm maybe over analyzing everything when some things I just need to let go and just think okay that's just a thing so it doesn't need a def like it doesn't need defining. Yeah, but that's
0: right. Very- <laughs> and I think I think I'm at that point now. I think now it's been nearly a year of the diagnosis. I, it's just been a massive hyper focus and thinking who who around me might have it and why and why has this happened and where's it come from? Is it genetic? Is it trauma? Yeah, going through all this stuff, and it, yeah, it's exhausting and consuming it a lot because you you're so desperate to learn. It's been you know 37 years of it, and then oh, I need to know exactly. What I am now to try and hope that the rest of the remainder of my life will be hopefully a bit better because I'll understand me better. So I get why a lot of us late diagnosed will really go into that rabbit hole once we're diagnosed because we.
1: Oh, I just, Yeah. Yeah,
0: and it's it's yeah, but as you said, there has to come a point where you let go. And yeah, I'm not too fussy now about the autism one, but I do have it in the back of my mind if it could be that. But like you said, even the sensory stuff can be both the justice principle issues that I have could be either. You know, so, so maybe. Yeah. You know, it's always that inner fear of well what if it's not ADHD because the meds aren't great with me what if it actually is autism so there's that imposter syndrome is massive for me um, oh, and I think, you know your medication sounds amazing the way you your journey with that and I think well why have I not but then the other side of me goes hold on what if it is working but it's shutting the ADHD down but now the autism can go hello I'm here because it was yeah. controlling the ADHD it was keeping it at and you know it was trying to help it and now it's on its own do what it wants I don't know I
1: um, yeah no that makes a, a lot of sense too as well because it's also that thing is um is it more pronounced or is it just that you're letting yourself be actually not hiding all those things so I mean I've thought the same because now I because I'm more aware of it I'm more aware of you know food sensory issues and, you know, all these things that, um, before, and also because the medications helped a lot with my anxiety, I don't have that clouding everything. So it's, yeah, it's a really, really interesting one. Um, and I, I love it. Like, I, you know, I, I really, I love kind of researching about it. And, um, but I've had people say to me, you know, you, you're like obsessed with it. Is, you know you, 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 you spot things in everyone um can't can't you just let people be like I never go up to anyone and go I think you've got this but um I might say oh that sounds a bit like whatever and often I find it's people that don't don't actually want to explore that in themselves and mm. so you know the, the defense mechanism there where it's just like oh you know just stop diagnosing me or or whatever but I also would never do that either I mean I've had friends that um clearly do have ADHD and I didn't say anything and um they ended up getting an ADHD diagnosis um but I would never uh, push it on anyone but I definitely think that you see things more yeah it's a hard one with medication I I didn't like it wasn't like I just started taking medication and it was great um I actually quite it took me probably about six months to get the right medication at the right dose. Um, and like you were saying about taking a long time, like you don't feel like your medications kicked in before the school run. I actually take um, a quick release and a slow release version of the same. Um, because I was finding the same. I was like, "Oh, well, it's great when it kicks in, but it doesn't kick in until like 10 o'clock. Um, and I need it. I need to be on it when I get up. Like, so now I take, the two together and I'll sit and just kind of sit and I'll take it sit down I have a smoothie um put protein powder in it because um affects obviously your your eating and stuff and I'll kind of sit there and like about 20 minutes later it's like I've just been activated and I'll kind of wake up and um I'll go around and like shut all the drawers and the cupboards that I opened getting everything ready (laughs) and then yeah it's like I've I've kind of been been activated but I yeah I, I I need that quick release in the morning because, um, yeah, it takes too long otherwise.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, sometimes they, they do help the focus, but the issue I can have is I get a slightly increase in anxiety and agitation. So I'm more snappy on it. And I've tried, yeah. I'm, I'm now back on the first one where I was really ragey because they think, oh, but they mixed it with a non-stimulant to try and see if, because mood regulation is my biggest issue it seems to affect that more so rather than less um, you know helping it so that's sort of trying to now put into and see if it helps but yeah i get what you mean it can help to do those things but at the same time it's it's not they have the disadvantages it's like a lot of i, I don't know if you've seen that recent article by jack fenning um yeah the yeah guardian <laughs> yeah he's got ADHD but then he's even making quips about at least they get drugs now it's not fun I don't get any immense pleasure from taking this med I get a lot of horrible side effects actually yeah yeah. I'd rather not have to do that so I'm really shocked that um that's something that the way he's oh I don't don't get me started on that one he's not worth the airtime really no (laughs) no (laughs) but I guess from, from from your point of view do you think since being diagnosed are you starting to unmask naturally then
1: yeah absolutely i think um i'm just like allowing myself to be more me and i guess making the videos and things um i'm very publicly out there and uh very open about it but that didn't come easily like it took me months to make my first video because you know i was worried about what people would think and you know the stereotypes and things um and it was weird for me because I'd obviously blogged about mental health for a long time. And so to not want to talk about something, that's what made me think I I need to talk about it. Because if it's something that I feel is taboo and I don't want to talk about it, that's the exact reason that I need to talk about it. And that's when I started. And I guess I've just become more and more, yeah, just more and more myself and kind of saying, yeah, I get overwhelmed so um you know, I might leave early, or and and just being very open about it. Um, so you know, I said, um, to my daughter's teacher, she's just started secondary, and I had to say, look, I'm going to struggle to help her with her um, because you know I've got um, I think well, I'm not diagnosed, but dyscalculia as well, yeah. kind yeah. of like mathematical dyslexia. Um, and I I wouldn't have done that before. I would would have just struggled through and but now I say look I'm I'm, this is beyond me so um Mm -hmm. yeah and I and I think I ask for help more and just I'm not embarrassed of my kind of quirks but I feel like a lot of them have got better on medication anyway Mm -hmm. um so it's a weird one but I, I found as well that I got a lot more irritable when I started medication, and I wasn't sure. Like I was, I was trying to work it out, but I realised that actually, I think I um just started putting in boundaries, which I didn't have before, and I I was more aware of things that weren't, you know um in like bad behaviour. And I think I got tougher on on the kids because before they'd ask me for something, I'd say no, and they'd ask and ask and ask and I'd just be like, fine, have it, you know. Um mm. and because of RSD as well, wanting to be liked by everyone, always saying yes to things and um and so I think a part for me of the irritability was me going, hang on, no like you're actually taking advantage now and I'm not going to have it. And it came Mm -hmm. across that I was irritable and, but actually I think I was just setting boundaries for the first time ever. And I just, that was an alien feeling to me. And the people, yeah, people resist that when they've been used to you being a certain way for a very long time. And you've been, you know, a people pleaser to the extreme. When Mm -hmm. you suddenly start saying no, a lot of
0: people can't cope with it <laughs> yeah I I was um the opposite I was always too strict before anyway which makes me wonder about the tism kind of like everything's got to be done in yeah you know, yeah no yeah anyway I digress but in terms of your journey then you you were diagnosed at 37 weren't you just well she's the age I was um actually and yeah. did you experience I mean, I know you've talked a lot, especially like in the ADHD as females. Um, I would recommend people listen to that because it's a really interesting pod. You talk quite in depth about your journey. Um, and I sort of wondered, do you want to talk about your journey here a little bit about you said that you, you obviously wrongly diagnosed a lot with depression and anxiety, like most of us. Yeah. And then your friend said to you, I think you've got it. But the actual process, the, the diagnosis where you have to fill in all the forms and you have to talk to a psychiatrist, how was that for you?
1: I was unbelievably lucky in, it, it must've just been a timing thing. So I spoke to my doctor um, who said, this does sound a lot like anxiety. And I was like, yeah, I know, but please just <laughs> give me this uh, opportunity. Like, you know, I really, really have done a lot of research. Everything I've said is, and he was really good. And so I got done, um, referred via Right to Choose to Psychiatry UK and I got my assessment within a week um yeah and then a week after that I got a titration nurse so it was really really quick which is yeah just it just must have been a timing thing or uh, Mm -hmm. you know amazing and yeah I did all the forms I got my mum to do a form and she just I felt like she just (laughs) ruined my chances because she just put um everything you know like how great I was and Everything was fine and mm. blah, blah, blah. Uh, but luckily that that didn't kind of affect it. And um I, I had that whole thing, you know, did I fill in the forms trying to get the answer that I wanted? I didn't really know that much about Psychiatry UK. So is that is it actually a proper company? Is it a proper qualified psychiatrist? Is this just a scam? Because there was a lot going around about um, you know, it being a fashion trend and et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, he was really nice, a psychiatrist. And he told me straight away, like within the first 10 minutes, um, that I definitely have ADHD. And then, yeah, he did kind of, you know, um, afterwards, he did all the stuff that he needed to do, that the formal, formal mm-hmm. stuff. And, yeah, I did still struggle with, you know, I just thought that I'd got myself the diagnosis that I wanted <laughs> because I was desperate to find something and i thought did i make it fit and all of these things and it was only when i started medication and i think i had like the first day i took it i just it was amazing and i thought oh my gosh i feel so unbelievably different that it must be right this must be right because i feel so different but that didn't last (laughs) something i had two days where i was just like oh my gosh this is amazing then I yeah it was awful I felt really ill I was like uh, getting massive almost like I was going to black out and then every time I stood up I was getting head rushes and thinking I was going to fall over um they tried to put my days up and up and yeah so that bit was was really tough um and I think I think if I wasn't in such a bad place and I didn't have the kids relying on me I probably would have given up on medication actually
0: Mm, it's a um, I didn't even get the two days of niceness I've just always had to struggle but I think the more people that talk about it, like you and stuff on social media I start to realize actually it takes time for the body to adjust yeah. and the mind to it and it might be something that's really good so just give it the time don't give up and I think that's why I'm really thankful that people do openly talk about it now because mm. it's only very recently even when you started doing it you were one of the first really weren't you Uh, a couple of years ago to start talking about it i'm just interrupting this episode to say thank you for listening i really hope you like it so far i don't make money from creating this podcast currently and i've always wanted to keep it free inclusive and accessible for everybody so you can hopefully benefit from it as much as i do it takes many hours to record edit and maintain the podcast and there are costs incurred through things like recording and editing equipment maintaining it online and getting tech help where needed which i do need sometimes because i'm not tech savvy I know times are hard, but if you're in a position to donate the price of a coffee or even lower than that, every little helps me to keep this podcast free and accessible for all. To donate, simply go to the link in our bio on this podcast service you're listening from, or go to the Linktree website and search for MindVox Pod. This link is also on the bio of our Instagram and Facebook pages, which are also found by searching MindVox Pod. For those not in a position to do any of this, which is absolutely fine, you can help by following and sharing the pod across social media, telling your friends about us and rating and reviewing it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening and please enjoy the rest of the episode. It was great that I saw you on the BBC, I think it was the one show, wasn't it, where you openly talked a lot about your late diagnosis. What was that like for you to do? Because I remember you said initially you didn't even want to blog about the diagnosis and like you said that showed you that was a bit hard to something there that needs to to be talked about because you don't want to so to go on national tv where there's millions of viewers like what was that like
1: i think i started so i was diagnosed in the october and then i think i started making videos in the spring of the following year and this was like the following october november time it might have even been december because it was right before christmas and um, I'd done a thing with BBC Radio Gloucestershire and it, it's supposed to be like just one interview and they ended up making it a series over over a week. So they had four days of interviews with me and then on the last day they got um, actually a fellow blogger who got diagnosed uh, after seeing my content and they interviewed her. So I'd done that already and then yeah, I was contacted by The One Show and they, yeah, they got me to do a whole interview thing and they, the whole premise of it was that they were going to bring someone who got diagnosed after just, just from seeing my content. So they did and they brought her over to Cheltenham and it was amazing actually. Yeah, it was amazing.
0: That must be inspiring in itself. Um, And I think what would you say, you know, like you said, it's seen as a trend now and everyone's trying to self-diagnose online using things like TikTok. And what what are your feelings around it? Because I think you are doing that sort of content just like I am. But actually, you know, some people are successfully going on to proper diagnosis because they've related to things you've done. But I guess some people are saying, but there's loads of people out there who aren't going and getting those formal diagnoses and sort of saying, I definitely have autism. I definitely have ADHD because I relate to these people on TikTok and Instagram and stuff. Like what, what's your take on it?
1: Um, well, I I firmly believe that if it had been available, like if TikTok and um, you know, the internet was available when I was a teenager, I would have been diagnosed then. Um, I've had probably thousands of women tell me that they've gone on to get a diagnosis um, after relating to content that I've pasted. Um, I think that's absolutely yeah. brilliant. And um, for anybody that, I mean, the diagnosis process is ridiculous. I mean, people can wait for six years to get their assessment what are they supposed to do they relate to all of the stuff that they're seeing um it's giving them avenues to you know like you were saying different techniques to use to manage their life more effectively it's helping them to understand themselves to be kinder to themselves lots of people um are getting to escape all the negativities to do with it because instead of thinking what is wrong with me I'm a terrible person you know I can't even get my kids to school on time and everyone else can and they're thinking actually I'm pretty sure that I've got ADHD and that's that so what harm is it doing anyone else you know you know I suppose you could say that if if they have a more serious mental health condition that they're not then exploring because they put it down to ADHD I guess you could you could say that that that's a problem mm. but generally that you know that that could be a problem anyway so I think the fact that this information is so freely available can only be a good thing
0: yeah and as like you said a lot of the other conditions can actually become comorbidities of the divergence so a like a lot of people with ADHD can have addictions binge eating eating disorders they want you know OCD they might have They want to control things. They might have high anxiety disorders. And that's the thing that you said about BPD. There seems to be, the more I'm reading about it, you can be misdiagnosed either way, or you can have both. So BPD, as in personality disorder, which I know is changing names, some people are calling it EUPD. It's constantly changing no matter where you are actually at the moment. But a lot of people will be diagnosed with that when actually it's ADHD or vice versa. But then a lot of people, through being undiagnosed for most of their life with divergence, End up actually forming BPD because it's a trauma-related mental health condition. It's not something you're born with, is it? BPD like, like other things you can be sort of genetically like divergence, um, allegedly. Depends who you speak to, because yeah, is it Gabor papers yeah. does not agree with that. And like you know, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but yeah, th- there's so much complexity around it. And I didn't, you know, I, without me looking, I, I wouldn't have thought. And like like you said, as a teenager, I was anxious depressed Mm -hmm. i didn't know that they could be symptoms of this and well how would life have been and how are you knowing that we didn't have this knowledge back then have you gone through a grief process with that
1: absolutely yeah yeah i did um yeah um but i put a time limit on it because um i said to myself like you know i i could wallow in this and you get very angry and in you know all of the opportunities that were missed and um you know so much stuff like i could have had better time with my children when they were younger without you know all the anxiety and everything but there's no point in that you know it's um yeah it's not going to get me anywhere so i let myself have you know a grief and um i went through probably the grieving stages Um and I probably, you know, I'm still still dealing with it now. Um I I still get dates when I just think, oh, everything could have been different. And um, but I try not to let myself kind of dwell on it. And a lot of people have said that they did get diagnosed as as children and it didn't help them. Mm. Um some people tried medication and it was horrendous and because that was their experience, they never tried it again because they just assumed that it would be the same, like medications come a long way. So I don't know whether my life would have been any better had I known or not. So without that knowledge, um, I just try and think that there really isn't any point in me feeling sad for something that I don't even know if it would have been that anyway.
0: Yeah. And I think like you said about the grieving about, how you could have been as a parent that's a massive one for me that I struggle to let that one go that one's there all the time and Mm. like have you looking at the way you parent because your children are a bit older now aren't they like mine they're sort of teenagers now nearly or approaching
1: 10 and 12 yeah yeah Yeah. so
0: I have a 10 year old as well and how do you feel looking over the childhood so far like how do you think your ADHD might have affected your parenting and the way you've done things
1: um I think, you know, just being very disorganised and very late, um, not knowing, you know, like we'd leave for school and then see everyone else in Mufti and then, you know, realise it was a non-uniform day and I'd missed the email or, um, and I think, you know, I I didn't really set good boundaries because I... um, yeah, I just love them so much. I just wanted them to be happy all the time. And actually, what what they need is some structure and rules and things. Um, and probably just, you know, my own low self-confidence and self-worth meant that I didn't put myself out there as much. And things like play dates and, and stuff like that. I was very conscious of how messy our house was. And um, yeah, so. But I think, like ultimately, um, yeah, they they couldn't have been loved harder. I think, um, and pr- probably the the you know, I had very bad postnatal depression, and that was probably the worst bit I think for me. So I missed a lot of their baby babyhood, um, and then yeah, just they getting very stressed and and. Um, yeah, probably being a bit un- unpredictable. That's probably the, the bits that I, I yeah, would, would like to go back and change. Um, I suppose looking
0: back at the PND, do you, I think I've think i done a lot of, I thought I had that, but now I'm like, oh, apparently sort of females of ADHD, the estrogen and all the other chemicals messing around causes the ADHD to sort of go crazy extra but for, for quite a bit and, and it takes us a long time to get back. And I, to be fair, I don't think I've ever been the way I was before pregnancy, ever since those hormones. To be honest, I think that's where my traits—I didn't know were traits—really exacerbated as soon as I had him, even in the pregnancy, and ever since then, they went up. And I was—that was the first time I was taking like antidepressants. I used to avoid them for depression, but mm. it was like oh, I had this irritability. I couldn't focus. It, it ramped the ADHD up a lot. So, do you see? Do you feel that that's what happened to you, or do you feel actually it was? pnd now you look back
1: well yeah this is what my psychiatrist said to me he said it probably wasn't pnd it was probably your know, adhd getting worse and what he said was that um had i been diagnosed and medicated they would have upped my medication during that period to cope with it but then you know i probably wouldn't have taken it because i was breastfeeding so yeah, yeah. you know I, I probably would have made that decision but i guess i would have known but yeah i mean hormones oh my gosh um Yeah, I um, was talking to my doctor recently about PMDD because sometimes it just floors me, absolutely floors me. And I go from fine to pit of despair Mm -hmm. in a day. Mm
0: -hmm. And, And then
1: for a few days, I'm in this absolute pit and then I come out of it. And it's like, I now have two kind of streams of consciousness. So one of them is this like, oh my gosh everything's horrendous the worst thing in the world um there's just no point to anything and then luckily now I have this kind of like um a voiceover going you know this is temporary this is um you know your hormones just hang on in there and you'll feel better soon but I get I think I get more frustrated because I know that but I still can't control it
0: it's really tricky and they do say a lot of us have that PNDD rates it's so much worse due to the hormonal issues um do you think and then we have good old menopause to look forward to where it gets even worse but that's another <laughs> um and obviously you have you are now a single parent have you noticed mm-hmm. does it affect things worse when you are the main one with all of the responsibility does that affect your ADHD or does that you know what I mean does it cause any extra issues being the only one to do the boundaries and
1: Probably easier I guess because, but it's hard to tell because I'm medicated mm. so um, and I was medicated when I became a single parent so I just don't know I don't know but I, I find that I'm probably a better parent now whether that's because I'm on my own or because I'm medicated I can't quite tell but I think yeah I think we're yeah we're doing really well as a three and I can't quite I, you know I can't put my finger on exactly why that is but yeah I'm, we're quite happy now so and I
0: think now that they're older as well I'm assuming that you are very open like you are with with us that that you have this so that they understand sometimes if you do I don't know dysregulate or forget things that would annoy them but that they have an understanding it's not an excuse but they have a reason um, yeah and it's not you on purpose that you just don't care or you know, that sort of does that make you feel better about the way you do things as well
1: yeah absolutely because I'll say to them you know like sorry mum just got really really stressed and overwhelmed you know I didn't cope very well in that situation or you know I, I didn't want to be surrounded by so many people and and um, that's why we left or and actually it's it's been really good to be that open with them because they have an understanding now and and it's just a bit of a joke now not you know we don't kind of make light of it but yeah if I forget something instead of it just being like oh can't believe I did that oh yeah. honestly <laughs> yeah. having one of those disorganized days and um yeah it's made it a lot yeah I think it's it's helped us a lot to just be open about it and talk about it
0: And do you feel that other people around you, sort of extended family, friends, work colleagues, have they all also been understanding? Or, I mean, for instance, on social media, you're always going to get people, trolls, that will say, oh, it's fake, you know, whatever. You're just using that as an excuse just to be horrible or late or messy or whatever. These people will live in real life and they might be within our network. Have you had to deal with anyone in your network that's just in total, like, it doesn't exist? It just doesn't even acknowledge it for you?
1: Um, no, not really. I've been really, really lucky. Um, you know, I had a few people say initially, yeah, but you know, isn't everyone like that? Um, mm-hmm. they're now diagnosed and my parents have like, I mean, I think they didn't recognize a lot of the behaviors in me as being anything unusual because, uh, we're all like that, but they would never, um, they'd never do anything about it or acknowledge it that they are yeah they're supportive and then been really really lucky and if anyone you know if anyone has said anything negative it hasn't been to my face um and I think it's helped me a lot actually because I you know I I own the gym um with another guy and he'll say to me you having a bad ADHD day today and oh yeah oh yeah, maybe, because I'll come in I'll be like, right, we need to do this, this, this and that, but then uh, that, but then I'll start with that. But then you can do the, wait, <laughs> no, what were we doing? And he'll just say, yeah, I think <laughs> your ADHDs are uh, pretty bad today. And then, um, yeah, so that helps as well, actually.
0: And that's really good that you managed to get, you own a business and it, you work for yourself. So you don't have to deal with what if, you know, the team I go and work for don't have a clue about it or won't put in, sort of things that I need to help me do the best I can in the workplace and but on the other side I'm like wow I can imagine it was quite a hyper focus to set that gym up because I know how our brains work it would have been like right I want to do this boom 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 but a lot of us quite typically only get to that stage and then the actual putting it into place and getting it done and seeing it through is where a lot of us fall flat for a lot of our ideas so how did you manage to keep your focus and sort of motivation right to the end of building you know, your gym I
1: genuinely do think it's medication um <laughs> yeah I mean I yeah I think I would have I've also had some really really good people in my life who've helped me um you know and kind of reminded me why I was doing it and, and what I'm doing it for but they're having the confidence to push through with it even when it was hard or it wasn't working how I imagined it. That I think is a lot of that has come from, from medication and, and being able to do the boring stuff and the less creative stuff that doesn't, you know, necessarily hold my attention, being able to force myself to, to follow through with stuff like that. And then I think, you know, I, it, I've created a place that is neurodivergent friendly um, simply by Making somewhere that I would want to go to. So that helps a lot because, you know, it's um because I'm very open about it. And so I'll say I, I'm so sorry, I forgot to send you an email last week that I said I was going to send you, you know, and and I'm not I don't let these things ruin my whole day which before I would have gone, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I didn't send that. And What must they think of me? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, you know, I think as well we're talking about what kind of things you did when you had all this pent-up energy. And exercise has just always been something that has, you know, helped me. Um, so to create a place where I can exercise as part of work means that I'm – you know self-regulating at work as well so yeah, yeah I can ask
0: you how you manage your, your sort of uh, more difficult traits so is exercise one of the biggest things that helps a lot of things that you don't like about the ADHD
1: yeah definitely and and it was something that really helped I didn't realize but um it was something I've used throughout my life um and I wasn't like a traditional. Um, not who you would think of as being sporty or anything um at school like I hated team sports and things like that but I used to go walking as dogs and we'd go walking up mountains and things
0: oh, good thing to do yeah that's nature as well isn't it it's not just the yeah way. I
1: have to be outside yeah I like being outside a lot and then you know I Uh, I used to go running because that helped and like you know uh, my ex would get home and I'd literally be in my gear at the door and I'd just run until I felt better (laughs) and then I'd come home and I'd go out like stress levels through the roof and they'd come back and I'd be like hey darling children I miss you so much you know all of that like but I I would just go I just like I started running in the January and then I couldn't run to the end of my road. And then in the September I did a half marathon. So then I didn't want to run after that. So then I didn't run anymore. So then I do like Zumba or whatever and get really into that. So the whole point that, you know, my whole kind of thing behind the gym is that it's always really different and lots of different stuff going on to keep, keep you engaged and keep you interested. So yeah, I think that's it. I, I have to stay interested and it has to change for me to stay interested so and that's a yeah. big
0: thing isn't it and I think that's why this sounds like a really cool gym um sadly you don't you're not in my area but it, yeah. it sounds like you're constantly changing things up and you're inclusive and aware that people can't always commit to it they might be late you know that it's it's like a well-being thing it's not just physical is it there um I think there needs to yeah. be more of those around the country because I think I struggle, I know I need to do those exercises because it will benefit me like like it benefits you, but I just can't get into headspace to even do a DVD at home. It's just, I've probably gone about a year now with no exercise. It's really bad. I'm at that point, i walk my dog, but I also suffer chronic pain. So it's that fear of well, certain exercises yeah. trigger me and then I'm done for four days, unable to move in agony. So I kind of, I have a fear, but I also it's that, oh, oh I've always got so much to do. That's just not, it should be a priority. It's not a priority. It's not. Um, yeah yeah. so it's that kind of but it's really good that you've kind of turned a, so you work in a place which will also give you that physical thing that you need but changing it up regularly so that, I love that yeah. but are there other things as well that you find helpful especially if you're struggling at home or you know your ADHD has been a bad you know that time of the month as well where your estrogen's everywhere and you might be I don't know triggering around the kids or something is there things that you do that help you get back to or get away from the dysregulation if you can't go out and
1: exercise? Yeah, I think I, I allow myself to have just I don't know what to call them like down days, I guess, but um, I will give myself a like um, I want to say depression day because depression is such a serious thing and and it's not something you dip in and out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess like a a dark pit day where I'll just kind of say, okay, I'm going to give you today to just wallow and let it all out but then you pick yourself up again so I do that building little like breakdown into leads and I think the other thing I've got much better at is asking for help so I will now instead of trying to manage everything myself I will now ask for help and say I'm struggling so I've had people help me sort my house out you know I've got friends that help me with the kids and whether that's a single parent thing as well um I, I don't know but I before I felt like I had to do everything myself um and uh, that asking for help was kind of me failing even though I would help anyone and I would never judge anyone if they asked me for help like I would go out my way to help people I always felt like I was a burden if I asked it back so I I would you know that like, yeah no I can pick your kids up it's fine oh my yeah. gosh how am I going to get their kids home and my kids home and we've got the yeah. dentist but I'd I'd still do exactly. it but yeah so now i i ask for help more it's
0: brilliant because i still don't i'm the other way like everything i need to learn that and i think you you also do run support groups on facebook don't you for men and women with late diagnosis how is that going because i'm part of them and i find them really useful and helpful and there's always something each day that will teach me something or make me feel a bit less alone kind of thing it, are you finding it a really good response to them
1: Yeah, I actually don't really do that much, um, which is so nice because I kind of set the ethos out with them. Like, you know, this is a place where anybody like you don't have to be diagnosed because that is so hard to actually get the diagnosis. But if you relate to it, you know, enough that you think that you've got ADHD, you're very welcome in here. And so I think everybody's amazing and they really don't have to do much admining at all. And yeah, it seems to be touch wood because I know that groups can, can be tricky sometimes, but it just seems to be the lovely supportive place that I set out for it to be.
0: I love it. And you're still doing your content creation, aren't you about it as and when you can, but obviously now you've yeah. got a business. I imagine it's quite hard to juggle everything, but yeah, have no, you absolutely. got any other plans this year or this coming year? Any other Things you're going to be trying to embark on.
1: So this year, well, um, you know, I think the gym's my main focus at the moment. Um, but I definitely do want to get back into blogging. I, I mean, I I do absolutely love it. I I still get great opportunities for, coming from it, um, which is was amazing. So I would like to get a balance back where I'm, you know, doing doing the gym and and blogging and just having both of them in my life. And then, yeah, just maybe doing a bit more travelling with the kids, actually. That'd be nice.
0: (laughs) That's lovely. people want to find your support groups or they want to see any of your content, where do they find you?
1: Yeah, so my blog is pinkpearbear.com, pear like the fruit. And I'm, I think, pinkpearbear underscore ADHD on Instagram and Twitter um, and TikTok, which is where I post most of my videos. And then I've got a really good Facebook page as well, which is Louise Pink Pear Bear. And pinned to the top of the page is the link to the groups. So if anybody wants to come and come and join them, then uh, that's where the, the link is. So everyone is welcome.
0: Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been really interesting to hear. You're, you know, the things you've been through and the things you're doing now is really, really positive. And I think you are quite an inspiration to us newbies. Well, I'm not newbie anymore, I guess now, really a year. But yeah, you know, to see it it's okay to talk about it you know it's okay to be open and get support and I think that's the biggest thing and it's really interesting some of your stuff is really really kind of heartbreaking but some of it's really funny so you've got that balance of showing us all sides of it which is really really, really good. yeah but, and okay. I still
1: you know like I still have all sides of it and and that's the thing like you know um I I think you know I I, I present really well a lot of the time um but I still have days where I'm literally just. You know, I've lost my keys. I've lost everything. I can't find. You know, that I haven't done all the stuff that I need to do, and I'm crying under a blanket. You <laughs> know, um, I still have those days, so I am all parts of it still. And I think that's why I try and and kind of give all sides of it, because there are positives to it, there are negatives to it, and I I don't want to paint this picture that I'm you know all sorted everything's great and I'm like ruling ADHD because sometimes it rules me but that is life and um yeah Yeah. just my life's so much better now but you know I think I still always struggle more than a neurotypical with certain things and I've just learned to accept that now (laughs) yeah and
0: I guess I'm conscious that I do spend a lot of time looking at the negatives of it but we could end actually on can you think of one of the the greatest things about having a conditioner what's been the most useful trait or whether it be in your parenting whether it be just in daily life what are you thankful for from it
1: well I just think that I I think the enthusiasm that you have for things that you're interested in um the energy because definitely have more energy than than a lot of people I think kindness I think people with ADHD are, are really kind because we've been through a lot ourselves and so we're kind to people and I think, I'm, I think I'm a really fun mum because I'll just say, let's just go and have a impromptu, I don't know what, like we'll go and look at the stars because there's a meteor shower tonight. So we'll just drag the duvets outside. And, you know, and I think that those things being just fun, creative and energetic. Yeah, yeah those things.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think we're definitely creative. I do find random things to create
1: yeah oh the hobbies, we could, yeah. Uh, podcast hobbies. On that.
0: <laughs> yeah no I'd love to have you back on if you ever want to come on I think you've got lots to say and you're very oh yeah you know, no, I doing love something that. inspiring but um but thank you for coming on and I think it's and um, thank you for being open more than anything and um, good luck with the gym because I know it's still very new isn't it your gym it's not been a it's not been open long but if people are living near you where is your gym
1: Okay. It's in Cheltenham, um, and it's called Solace Gym. So it's solace for the soul. um Yeah, just if you want to, co- we're uh, sort of taglining it the Be Yourself Gym. <laughs> so wow,
0: um, Be Yourself! No, yeah. That's perfect. That's my sort of gym. If you ever want to open another one, can do it, I will.
1: Yeah, I've <laughs> had a few people say that. So maybe I'll start franchising right, out. Yeah, super, yeah. I'll run, uh, oh, I'll run one for you. That's fine. That's oh, fine.
0: amazing! Yeah, that's the plan then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Take care.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. Bye! If you've liked this episode, please help us out by liking, subscribing, or leaving us a review as this helps us to reach more people. If you've got any ideas about topics to cover on future episodes or questions about the pod, or you even want to be interviewed for it, please get in touch on our socials using at mindvoxpod on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, or email us on mindvoxpod at gmail.com.